4: Joe Str- ah, Hey, can I talk? Uh, Joe Strowski broadcasting for the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Joe Strowski here, Brandon Fryer, producing in our downtown studios. And when I'm here in the 9 o'clock hour, uh, we like to do Score Rewind. We know you're busy. You may, you may miss some of the best stuff uh, throughout the day. And we're going to go bear-slash-football-heavy. Uh, This hour, Zach Levine's an all star. Just got a lot of intel on that. You just heard uh, the conversation I had with Cody Westerland. Check out his fine work. uh, Some of the stories posted on 670thescore.com. But we are now in the tag window, which is open for the next two weeks. No information on what the Bears are going to do with Allen Robinson. Are they going to be able to work out a deal? Are they going to throw the exclusive franchise tag on him? Transition tag? Not quite sure. So Robert Mays from The Athletic, he always has some strong opinions on what the Bears should do. He's a local dude, a big Chicago Bears fan, and he dropped by Bernstein and Rahimi earlier today. Take a listen. Robert, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, and just looking at the moving parts the Bears are dealing with right now, they don't have a quarterback until they have a quarterback. They may not have their special teams, skill position players. And then there is the big decision that may be made soon about Allen Robinson. What do we know about when we should expect things to happen?
0: I mean, I think that you'd have to do them pretty soon just in terms of accounting. Uh, You'd want to know where you sit as close as, as soon as possible, just to understand who could be the targets, what you could do at quarterback. I think that, the sooner the better. So if they're going to tag them, I figured they would do it pretty quickly, but I don't know if they should. I don't know if they will. I mean, it's you look at the finances right now and you think, Oh, well, you know, if they let Jimmy Graham go, if they let Bobby Massey go, they'll have about $10 million in cap space. Maybe they could fudge it where they could bring him back, but there's no quarterback in that equation. That's the problem is those numbers are so misleading. Cause you have to understand what you're going to do at that spot and how you're going to fill it and who it's going to be. And it's just a tough thing. I and mean, when you don't have that position figured out, not only is it harder to play and figure out who you are as a team, but it's also harder to figure out exactly who you can add, who you can't. There's just a lot left to be figured out when you don't have that quarterback price tag established at this point.
6: All right, let's stay on quarterback talk because you, sir, drew a Cutler and Deshaun Watson comparison. Take us through it because – I don't know if I'm intrigued or scared or both.
0: I, I think that saying I was comparing them is misleading. I just think that if you were doing the elevator pitch for why you would trade for Jake Cutler in 2009, it's not all that different. If you're doing it, limiting it to two senses as it would be for Deshaun Watson. Now, I mean, Jake Cutler was a top 10 quarterback for the, his second, third seasons in Denver. He was 25 years old. He was immensely talented. So, He's essentially the same age as Deshaun Watson is now. Deshaun Watson was a top six quarterback over the last two years. They're in the same zip code when it comes to being an asset at this point in their careers. Watson, by all accounts, is a better locker room presence. He's been He's also been more successful. I think that if you look at the circumstances that led to their production, they're very different. Jay Cutler playing with Brandon Marshall and... Mike Shanahan in Denver for his second and third seasons. Deshaun Watson was playing in arguably the least quarterback-friendly offensive situation in the NFL last season, a team that I think ran two or three screen passes the entire year. So there's a lot of context within that comparison. But I think in terms of the overall pitch for what sort of asset they are at age 25, it's not all that different. I was more saying that as a I really support the Bears trading for Jay Cutler and still would do it again that's more or less why I was exploring that ideal not trying to compare Jay Cutler and Deshaun Watson
6: yeah that's also on me because I that's I knew what you had said so I I meant it from an acquisition standpoint not not a product standpoint
0: <laughs> well trust me a lot of people thought about it from a player standpoint there was a lot of I can't believe you just compared Deshaun Watson and Jay Cutler which is A problem specific to Twitter that we don't have to
6: get into right now. Oh, man. Yeah, we could go there. We could.
5: (laughs) (laughs) How much of the chain reaction with the quarterback position are we assuming when we start to say, well, this is going to set off a progression of moves, if this, then that, and whether it's Darnold or Bridgewater – or Wilson or Watson or Carr, that once it happens, we start to think, well, then all of this has to happen sequentially. Is that true? Or are, are some of these things, can some of these things move independently of others as GMs then assess a, a, a new landscape with each one that occurs?
0: I think that they are independent scenarios and that they should be treated as such. Because there are teams, like let's say Washington, for example, is a good, I think they're a good test case. Washington was in on Matthew Stafford. They made a play for Matthew Stafford. That doesn't mean Washington is going to make a play for a quarterback this offseason. If Washington was in a spot in a month from now and nothing had worked out, the draft didn't fall their way, which it doesn't seem like it will at 19, none of the quarterbacks that are on the market are in the price range they want to pay – If you told Ron Rivera right now, you have to go into next season with Taylor Heineke as your starting quarterback, I think they could live with that. So that's the thing. I don't know if there's a level of urgency within each of these individual buildings that necessitates a move. So that's where that chain reaction would run into roadblocks is when there are teams that say, we don't need to make a change. We're only making one if we think we can have a definitive upgrade.
5: However, that does not apply to the Bears because in the piece that Michael Silver wrote in which Matt Nagy was quoted extensively... Negi was the opposite of that he basically like yeah we got to do something and you, you have to make bold moves and everything is on the table and every po- you have to explore every possibility so where it I, I'm sure you're right about Taylor Heineke being okay yeah we're fine with him we're okay we were gonna take our shot at Stafford just like the the Bears were reportedly in on the periphery at least on Carson Wentz I, I, I don't think that necessarily applies to the Bears who had the, the head coach coming out and telling a reporter we got to do something.
0: Oh, it definitely doesn't apply to the Bears. These other teams are not operating from a position of weakness, and the Bears are. These other teams aren't bringing back their head coach and GM in what is essentially a lame duck season. A lot of the teams looking for quarterbacks or that might be in the mix to change quarterbacks are in places where there's an immense amount of job security. The Niners don't need to make a change at quarterback because Kyle Shanahan's contract is like 17 years long. John Gruden is going to be in Vegas until i'm like 50 so that's and ron rivera is in year two of that rebuild in washington and did a very good job in year one so a lot of these teams that are looking for quarterbacks are doing it from a very comfortable perch the bears are not in that comfortable perch that's why i'm curious about what's going on with carolina where they're like really putting it up and this i understand it's ownership but they would seem to be a team that doesn't need to be operating with the sense of urgency that they have right now. And But I think that that is indicative of them not understanding their timeline at all and why the Bridgewater contract is probably a mistake, all that other stuff. But I completely agree with you. I think that the Bears are a unique case among this group because of the demands, the urgency, the ultimatum that has been placed on this regime compared to others.
6: So let's start with the two names that we brought up the most today, which are Allen Robinson and Cairo Santos. <laughs> What do you think happens with those two individuals?
0: I really don't know what happens with Allen Robinson. I've gone back mm. and forth about it. Santos, I think you take your leave. I'm not super worried about that. I think that you, I, I, I spend zero time thinking about kickers at any point, which is probably a fault of mine. But uh, with, with Robinson, I think you could make an argument either direction. I think that you absolutely could say, if we're going to bring in a quarterback and if we have that urgency as a franchise, as an organization to say, we need to bring in somebody, that means you need a fix now. And part of that fix would be giving that person someone to throw to, and they could probably make it work financially. There is a world where they can franchise Allen Robinson and somehow, whether it's borrowing from the bank of Khalil Mack a little bit more, which is not ideal, but maybe necessary, getting Kyle Ford's contract down a little bit, making some cuts, There is a world where they can make it happen. And I think that if this team really does need to win immediately, they would be well served to bring Allen Robinson back on the tag in order to give that quarterback, whoever it may be the best chance to succeed. But I also can understand where you're sitting there thinking we're up against it. What are we really right now? Why should we spend this amount of money on Allen Robinson? If we can't do anything in the short term anyway, but I also think again, that's the thinking of a franchise that has a little bit more leeway and a little bit more time to get something done than the Bears currently do.
5: And that's why I go back and forth with the decision on Robinson. I, I still think as I as I play this out, the most reasonable move would be straight up hardball tag. Straight up this is it. And we are tagging you. You are playing for us next year at this number and there because there may not be another year for anybody involved and if he wants to sit out if i I don't think he will i don't think alan robinson wants to sit out a season i do think he's telling the truth when he says he does like chicago and and i just think that that's the move that there wasn't a need for them to sort of enter into some of these negotiations with him maybe they intended to tag him the entire time you slap it on there as they like to say and you leave it on there and that's what he will make as a bear next year Uh, maybe i'm underthinking it but that just This is sort of an Occam's razor for me.
0: I, I totally agree. And the problem is it's the show game you have to play in these moments. So if you give him that tag, and it's $16.4 million or whatever it is, and you look at the actual accounting on the cap, that probably necessitates another move, whether that's releasing Akeem Hicks, whether that's doing some shuffling. And again, you, you, you grimace mm. like that, and that's the yeah. problem because you're taking one step forward to take one step back somewhere else. With the way that the resources around the league are currently working, especially this season, they're finite. You're going to have to make some choices that aren't appealing. So if you bring Allen Robinson back and you go, let's earmark $10 million for whatever quarterback it is, let's just hypothetically say that. You're sitting there with $26 million, you're going to have to lose elsewhere. So if the offense is a little bit better and the defense becomes a little bit worse because you have to trim some fat, what are you as a team? And that's the constant kind of epistemological question that this team has to ask itself. It's like, what are we actually? And I don't think they have a good answer. And that's been the problem all this time. It was a problem last year as they were sitting there as a middle-of-the-road team, and it's going to be the same problem they have now. And there's no easy route out of it, no matter what lines you try to draw.
6: Safe to say we assume Dak Prescott gets another franchise tag. He'll be in
0: Dallas, I think, one way or the other. Yeah, I I think that he'll be there one way or the other. They can afford to tag at this point. I don't think they want to lose him. I can't see him going anywhere else. I think that the guys who are available, realistically, are the same crop of guys we have gotten used to talking about. It's the Sam Darnold, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Fitzpatrick group of quarterbacks. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater gets thrown in there as well. It's not dissimilar to the group that was essentially available last offseason. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick now becomes that veteran quarterback's du jour, but Mariota is the guy we're talking about in reference to Chicago last year. So it's that second tier of guys where it's an answer, but it's an answer that no one's really excited about, and it feels like the Bears are fishing in the same pod.
5: Do I see something in Terod Taylor that apparently others don't? Whether you look at the numbers or look at the eye test, he just appears to be a very solid professional NFL quarterback who picks up offenses easily, who appears to be a, a terrific leader and teammate. He's had a run of bad luck. And I and there are some who criticize it, say yeah, when you start going inside, he's one of these guys whose numbers may overstate his actual value because it's, uh, it's like the Brian Hoyer rule of efficiency being prized over actual success and explosiveness. One of these 20-yard line to 20-yard line guys. But I've always liked him. And if the Bears said that this could be a guy to provide stability at the position for a year. I'm cool with that.
0: He seems like that kind of guy. He's essentially built to be a bridge quarterback at this point. And we've seen that happen at his last two stops. My only concern is that now we're four years removed from Tyra Taylor performing as a realistic quarterback. He was bad in Cleveland because I also liked him in Buffalo. I thought he had some really nice stretches. I thought that he was the definition of reliability there. He's somebody you could live with, and I think that a lot of teams, that's the type of place they have to be looking for a quarterback. But That was 2017. It was a long time ago now, and you'd have to be kind of convincing yourself that you could find that player again now at age 32 while not having played over the last few years. So i t- if this were four years ago, I would absolutely say that. Now it could be true. I just think it's a little less certain than it would be.
6: And then the secondary question becomes, say he comes here, do you trust the current Bears regime of offensive coaches to rehabilitate him?
0: No. <laughs> mean, an it's, answer. The same, it's the same way. I, I, I think that all these problems are coming from so many different directions, and you know it's hard to draw the lines of where the quarterback was the issue and where they weren't. But I don't think it's an accident that every quarterback that has come to Chicago has played worse. And we've seen him play elsewhere. I mean, Nick Foles was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last season. I think that they don't really understand what they want to be offensively. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. It reminds me a lot of what happened in Philadelphia, where you have all of these different people from all these different backgrounds coming in and all these different voices. And I just think that communicating the vision offensively to your quarterback and allowing that crystallization to feed into the way he sees the game, the decision-making, all that stuff is incredibly important. And it just doesn't seem like that's happening in Chicago. So I don't, it's the same conversation I've had with people about Carson Wentz. I don't think that Carson Wentz is a lost cause necessarily, but I think that if you were going to trade for Carson Wentz, you would have to have a vision for how you were going to fix and rehabilitate Carson Wentz. And I think the Colts were in a better position to extract value from a deal for him than the Bears are. And I think that you could describe that thinking to a lot of not exciting quarterbacks. They don't become more exciting because they walk into the Bears situation. I think that's true for
5: everybody. We're talking with Robert Mays of The Athletic on the Bernstein and Rahimi show on Sports Radio 670. It kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a pie-in-the-sky question, and maybe this isn't fair, but looking at all of this uncertainty and looking at the, the amount of potential movement, I keep thinking, what don't I know what am I missing in this large landscape? Where is a market inefficiency? Where is a way for a really savvy general manager to strike here and take advantage of so much uncertainty? Because I know that that guy's out there. I know that there, there is a, a poker player who has got some sort of algorithm that I don't have or some sort of proprietary intelligence that says the way to emerge from this as the overall winner is by doing what?
0: I think that the one, if you're looking at teams living on the fringes and in the extreme,
6: the Rams
0: would be the team that would be in line with that type of thinking. They have decided they are valuing picks and dead cap and all of that stuff in a different way than the rest of the NFL. And they've essentially built their roster with these individual little worlds on offense and defense. Defensively, they said, we have one guy in the front end, we have one guy in the back end, we we're going to build the scheme and our roster around those two pillars on defense. They were the best defense in the NFL last season. They lose Brandon Staley, but at least in 2020, it worked. Offensively, they essentially said, we are willing to sacrifice a lot to go get the guy we think can elevate our offense. So they would be the team that has tried to uncover an inefficiency in some way that no other team has. Outside of that, I'd be curious how those inefficiencies could be minded free agency this year, because it's going to be such a wild west with all of these guys that are probably going to lose jobs in the middle ground. So what sort of, how do you piece together your free agency plan in 2021 to me is going to be a really interesting question, because if you're reverse engineering the way that free agency typically goes well, it's not those big money deals. It's using free agency and spreading money around in order to leave yourself without noticeable holes. I think that in terms of free agency model, Buffalo is the best way to look place to look right now. Because if you look at the ways they've spent it, it's eight million here, eight million there. I want to say the highest cap hit on their team last season was Stefan Diggs at like fifteen million dollars. The Bears have like six guys making at least fifteen million dollars. So that to me is gonna be where we explore market inefficiencies this year. It's saying all right, we have $60 million in cap space. How do we best use that? And I think that the teams with money this year are in such a different situation, in such a different circumstance than you typically would be having a lot of cap space, that how that money gets spent is going to be, to me, one of the bigger questions of the entire offseason.
7: That's- Robert,
5: thank you as always. Uh, pr- appreciate the time. That is, there's a lot going on in there to chew on. But uh, as always, you you present this the complicated stuff in a very very lucid fashion. So we look forward to talking again as the news starts rolling in.
0: Anytime, guys. Always good to talk to you. Talk to you soon.
5: Thanks.
4: That is Robert Mays of the Athletic. Robert Mays on the Bernstein and Rahimi show earlier today. Sports Radio 670, the score. Told you Robert Mays would have some strong opinions. Always an enjoyable listen on what the Bears are going to do. A uh, vital next couple of weeks Coming up as we wait for more information, especially about A-Rob and the quarterback position. Do you understand what period we're in? How free agency is going to work? How the Bears are going to free up some money as the cap is going down? We'll hear from a uh, former sports agent joining the Parkinson Spiegel show next. This is Score Rewind. I'm Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score in the radio.com app. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. You've got Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, the score rewind hour. want to remind you, you can hear me weekdays talking mostly sports betting on BetQL Daily at airs live on the radio.com app at 9 a.m. to noon. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and following the show on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Following me on Twitter at JoeO670. So uh, Joel Corey, former sports agent, Covers NFL contracts for Sports.com. He's really able to uh, break it down, kind of dumb it down for people that don't understand everything that goes into NFL contracts. And the curious situation the Bears find themselves in since they haven't been able to work out a deal with their star receiver. Because if... They don't have Allen Robinson next year. We're looking at a fifth-round pick from a year ago at being the number one receiver for right now. So let's take a listen to Joel Corey joining the Parkins and Spiegel show here on The Score. Joel, as always, thanks for the time, man. How are you doing today?
8: Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing?
3: We're good. Thanks, we're, Joel.
1: We're doing very well. Um, let's just start broad here. How is the Bears' cap situation relative to not only where they rank in terms of cap space, but, like, the ability to free up more cap space if they wanted to compared to the rest of the league?
8: Well, anybody can free up cap space. It's just whether you want to cut enough players and restructure enough contracts, so that's really not the issue uh, to me. In terms of space, uh, the league average in terms of cap room is basically if the cap's 180 – having about eight and a half to play with the bears on the other side of the equation right now, they have 47 players under contract. 51 is what counts during the off season. So you're going to have to actually have more guys come on to where the, where they are right now. So really sitting about almost 10 million over, but that can easily be remedied um, by there's some obvious cuts and a couple of guys to restructure as well.
3: Have you looked at the obvious cuts uh, for the Bears? Jimmy Graham, I think, would be $7 million. Bobby Massey, five point four. Do you expect those two, uh, among others, Joe?
6: Uh,
8: yeah,
3: Graham's an obvious one. Um, I, was, I was surprised
8: they signed him for what they did, given what he did in Green Bay. That was a surprise to me. I just would have kept uh, Trey Burton <laughs> instead, um, since you were going to pay him part of a guarantee anyway. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you pick up seven that way. Um, question is, do you want to go – uh, two new tackles, just one new tackle. So, um, Massey, you get five one. Uh, Charles Leno, uh, if you wanted to go that route, but then you got to replace both guys. You pick up uh, six two a cap room if you did it conventionally, or nine million on a post one designation. Can't imagine Buster Screens is going to be back. Uh, you'll find another slot uh, corner. Uh, you can pick up uh, two almost two point seven five that way. Uh, then you got to decide what to do with Kyle, uh, Kyle Fuller. He's in the final year of his contract. He's got the voidable years, which were there to, for a proration purposes, for a restructure. But he's got the second-highest quarterback number, $20 million. So you got to decide is he an extension guy? Because you really it's hard to keep a guy at a $20 million number when the cap's going down. Then Khalil Mack has the second-highest defensive player number in the league at $26.646 million. If you converted him and he's a safe guy to convert because he's first team all pro caliber guy. You could pick up twelve million in cap space uh, just by converting sixteen million of his base salary into
3: signing bonus. Interesting. A lot of good info obviously right there, Joel. So when how do those conversations go when a team goes to a player, whether it's Kyle Fuller or whether it's Khalil Mack and say, you know what, we not we need to do something about your number like How often do they just get asked to do a favor or, you know, or is it always with the assumption of an extension and more security for the player?
8: Well, teams got smart because they got tired in the late nineties, early two thousands of agents doing something I did once and got cursed out by a team executive um, because we didn't want to just do a simple restructure because I'm doing you a favor So I want something in return. I was like, we need a modest bump because we did it the year before. Didn't want to do it again. Now what teams have done for the most part is stick automatic conversion rights into the addendums of the contract. So the player does not have a choice on a simple restructure Hmm. that he has to, the team decides how much they want to convert. And then there's also language in the contract, which says if the player doesn't sign a new contract, executing the change, he is in default or breach of contract. So, you never have an issue with stuff like that. Occasionally you have a couple of teams like Seattle. The only guy really on the team, Russell Wilson, has automatic conversion rights. They wanted to go to Bobby Wagner. And then that's a negotiation because that's not in his deal. But for the most part around the team, around the league, teams have gotten smart to avoid the situation I first described. Or I didn't want to do
3: a team a favor. So I wonder, so different teams are obviously – different in terms of their skills or their artfulness or their you know the way they deal with that what's the reputation for the bears among agents in terms of uh, you know how they talk to players how they talk to you the frequency we're trying to figure out if alan robinson is disgruntled because of the way it's been handled um or just how long it's been how do you what's the bears reputation in, in that way from an agent's perspective
8: well when cliff stein was negotiating contracts he was an agent's nightmare because I don't know how he consistently got uh, agents to do or got players agents to take deals which would scratch my head, particularly with rookie contracts pre uh, uh rookie wage scale now if Alan Robinson, anytime that you're not you don't want to pay a guy at his level what he thinks he's worth there's going to be some acrimony so I think maybe he players get take it personally sometimes and I think maybe he did start taking a little bit personally. Um, The buffer is the agent, and the agent's supposed to be more detached than the player uh, typically. But um, money smooths everything over, so you'd have to basically create $27 million in cap space just to be in a position to franchise them. By that I mean to, one, get under the cap, then afford the tag. His tag number – won't be the formula number because of his salary. It's the 120% increase of last year's salary provision, which kicks in, so you're talking $17.88 million to franchise him. He seems to be open to returning, but that's not going to be a cheap deal. Think Keenan Allen type money. I think that's what he wanted before. I don't think that's changed. Keenan Allen signed an extension right around the time you guys were negotiating, negotiating with Allen Robinson for slightly over $20 million per year and $50
1: million in guarantee, so that's what he's probably still looking for and so we're talking to joel Corey. this is great stuff it's i know it's a little tough and convoluted to follow but you do a great job of like synthesizing it down so in your mind what is the easier path for the bears like if i were to tell you they have to bring alan robinson back because they have no other good offensive players on their team <laughs> what is the easier thing to do cap wise uh manipulate it for a franchise tag or sign him to an extension with a lower cap number in the first year
8: well, the easiest thing is to get the deal done before you have to worry about the franchise tag yes. because you really don't want seventeen point eight eight million eating the cap eating up on the cap in a year where the cap was conservatively um projected to be two ten pre pandemic and now we're looking at one eighty in a worst case scenario, so cap goes down at least eighteen million from where it is now, and you're sticking a tag about that much on the books you really don't want that situation. So if you really want Allen Robinson back, then you probably need to come very close to what he wants to get this thing done. Now, the thing is, once a player incurs the risk of poor performance and injury and plays out his contract, at least my opinion, when I was an agent, if I went through all that, we successfully navigated it, you're paying me what I want to forego free agency. I think if Allen Robinson
1: gets in free agency, he's as good as gone. So, okay, so what do they need to do then to put the tag on him? You were talking about that, that 27 million number. I mean, how, the deadline to do it is still a ways away, right? But so, we, in theory, we could be seeing quite a few moves quickly to free up cap space if they're going to put the franchise tag on Allen Robinson.
8: Yeah, you've got time. you got till March 9th at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So, Graham seven right there if you uh, redo that. That's 19 right there. Uh, Massey gets you to 24. Uh, Screen basically gets you to 27. So you're, you're basically there. Um, maybe you try to extend Akeem Hicks because you've got to figure out what to do with him as, with him as well. He's mm-hmm. in the final year of his contract, so he's got a $12 million cap number. So either to me, you really don't want him playing out, playing out on that, so you either extend him the defense is great. That's the um, where the success is. So maybe try to work on him simultaneously as well. But they also need a quarterback, Yeah, Joel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that's where the whole Kyle Fuller thing comes in. What do you want to do with him? If you cut him, you save 15-5. Um, he's probably not going to take anything less than what he signed for last time. But then again, do you really want to start messing with the defense? <laughs> So when he comes back, what do you do with Charles Leno? Do you want to have two
3: new tackles or just one? So if they had been able to pull off a Carson Wentz deal, right, or if they were in a a miracle situation, were able to pull off a Deshaun Watson deal or even a David Carr deal, you know, um, how much would they have to do to fit that person in? Like, are you talking about everything that you're describing to fit Allen – Robinson in, plus no Allen Robinson? Like, like, could they, how difficult would that have been to acquire, say, Carson Wentz is 32, or what's Deshaun's, 35, or something like that? Uh, you know, would they, would they be able to get Allen Robinson and a $25 million quarterback this offseason?
8: Well, the thing is, it's not their average you're looking at. You look at the salary that they have in 2021. That's what the acquiring team has to absorb. Mm-hmm. The bonus proration stays with the old team. So in Wentz's case, you would need $25.4 million to absorb his entire salary. Now, once you did that, you could convert the $10 million roster bonus had he come there. So maybe you guys dodged a bullet there based on what he did last year. Deshaun Watson, different equation. He's making $10.54 million in 2021, so that's all you need for him um, to fit him into the cap. Big difference. Derek Carr, almost 20, so a little bit different um, in between the two. So it all varies on what that particular quarterback is supposed to make in 2021. With Watson, the numbers balloon after that. Then they get into the $30 million, uh, $30 million or more for each of the remaining four years
1: after this year. So let's just say we're talking to Joel Corey, former NFL agent, CBS Sports, at Corey Joel on Twitter. Prediction time. You know what? What moves do you think Ryan Pace is going to have to do to manipulate the cap over the next couple of weeks before that March 9th deadline?
8: Um, I'd probably cut Jimmy Graham. Probably cut Buster Screen. Uh, restructure Khalil Mack. Uh, probably restructure Kyle Fuller um, as well. Um, one or both tackles could be gone, and. Hopefully, if you can get Allen Robinson to sign, if you want to go small first-year cap number, ballooning second-year cap number, which you may see more teams doing with the cap going down, then it's not going to be anywhere close to 17.88 to fit him in in 2021 on a long-term deal.
3: Very interesting stuff. Super helpful, Joel, and obviously the specifics matter so much. And you know them all as we're talking about it. Um, what one one wild card question before we say goodbye? Um, as baseball hurdles towards a terrible um, CBA uh, disagreement that a lot of people think is going to be a strike. There basically is a salary cap with that competitive balance tax. It's a de facto cap. There is no floor, um, and it's a huge issue for baseball um obviously the salary cap and salary floor for the nfl it benefits the owners is there a benefit for the players in having a salary cap floor and a a cap like are the players better off that there is a floor it seems that's an obvious yes but but i just want to ask you from the union's perspective from the players perspective
8: yeah you need a floor i just don't think the union did enough in getting the floor changed it used to be 89% of the cap in cash over a four-year period. Now it's going to be over a three-year period. In the NBA, it's 90% of the cap every year. Uh, So I would rather it it be no more than a two-year period, ideally one, because then that forces you to spend each year because you could have a situation where you don't spend money for two years and the third year you spend like crazy to be compliant. And that may not necessarily be ideal for the players, but nonetheless it's not baseball where their cut of the revenues keeps going down each year. And I'm throwing out the pandemic part of it, even before the previous couple of years they've gone down because you don't have a minimum spend. You have teams who are basically trying to tank and not spend money in baseball, which is going to be a huge one of the reasons why you're probably going to have a strike.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, that was a fun way to end it, Joel. Um, Joel Corey, CBS Sports, at Corey Joel. We always get smarter uh, after listening to you. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you always being available for the show. Sure, anytime. Thanks for having me.
4: Oh, I hope Joel Corey is wrong about the last thing. Don't need a work stoppage. Not in the NFL. Oh, that would be a complete disaster. Good stuff from Joel Corey, former sports agent, now works for CBSSports.com. Helps you understand uh, the business side of things and uh, what goes on in these negotiations between teams and players. So good stuff uh, from Joel Corey there. Nobody is as plugged in on the Bears as one Brad Biggs. And we're going to hear from Biggsy next. Let's focus on that quarterback position, see if uh, we've learned everything as it appears, they sort of took a swung and kind of missed, but then they lost interest in Carson Wentz at the end. Uh, Big Z's next on Score Rewind. I'm Joe Ostrowski and 670 The Score, the radio.com app. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670TheScore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Joe O'Show, this segment on The Score is brought to you by Kenosha. Subaru, score rewind hour, 9 o'clock hour when I'm here. Sports Radio 670 to score. Joe Ostrowski with you. Uh, tomorrow there won't be a score rewind because I'm off the air at 645. So we've got a short show, 6 to 645. Now, Brad Biggs is a regular contributor on the Mullion and Hoss show. Plugged in as anyone usually has the breaking news when it comes to the Bears. And he dropped by the show just like he normally does since it is tag day Here's Big Z with Mully and Haw on the score.
7: Big Z! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, you're the man, and you have all the answers, and uh, we have uh, uh, we have been trying to figure out if there is still a quarterback carousel. Um, now that uh, Carson Wentz has been shot off the thing and and landed in Indy, it seems like I uh, haven't heard a lot of, a goofy rumors connected to other quarterbacks for the Bears. Certainly a lot of quarterback information out there. We talked about uh, Jimmy G maybe looking for a trade. That was uh, reported by the, the NBC Sports in the Bay Area. Uh, we've, we've heard that uh, that, that uh, as much as everyone wants uh, Derek Carr in Chicago, he's apparently not on the market. As much as you might want Deshaun Watson, he's apparently not on the market. Um, who's on the market, who isn't this, this, uh, boy, I, I heard a statistic yesterday about, uh, Darnold that he was worse it, 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 in the pocket with a clean pocket. His accuracy was worse than any quarterback in the NFL, not named Mitchell Trubisky. So I guess that's a step up, but maybe just a tiny little, uh, half step.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could, uh, make a move for Sam Darnold and have confidence that he was going to make your football team better this season. I could see you, a team out there, bringing on Darnold and sort of looking at him as a uh, reclamation project where change of scenery, new voices uh, in his ear, new offense – uh, perhaps you could get it going. I've talked to scouts who think that um, Darnold will do really nicely in a Gary Kubiak type system, where a uh, lot of a uh, lot of bootleg and rollout take more advantage of his uh, athleticism than they've done with him previously in New York. You know, picture kind of the some of the stuff that um, Kirk Cousins does well for the Minnesota Vikings, and and the thinking's been that uh, in that type of system, Sam Darnold will be an efficient quarterback. Maybe he's not going to challenge for uh, any MVP awards, but he'd be pretty solid. I I don't think the Bears are in a position to say, you know, let's let's find that out with this guy. They've got to get somebody uh, a little more proven, but they're also quickly going to be uh, running out of options, and I can't imagine that uh, lining up Nick Foles as the starter week one is plan A or B right now. And, and it truthfully, it probably shouldn't be plan C for the Bears either. All
9: right, Brad, the quarterback discussion we can table for now. The Allen Robinson decision comes today, but I want to talk to you about the kicker. Cairo Santos made $910,000 last year. He made 30 out of 32 field goals. And as you point out in a story that just dropped this morning on chicagotribune.com, there's some uncertainty surrounding his future because of what he may demand and because of what he deserves. How do you fit a kicker under the salary cap for a team that has cap issues? And what is he going to be asking for?
2: Well, you got to find a way to, uh, to fit the kicker in if you don't want to, uh Return to Eddie Pinheiro, and I don't know why you do that. The guy spent two of three seasons on injured reserve. Uh, remember his rookie season with the Raiders was spent uh, on the shelf before the Bears traded for him, or you're, or you're looking uh, elsewhere for a kicker. Santos, before he injured his groin in 2017, at the beginning of that season, remember he joined the Bears late in that season, and he wasn't fully healed up. Before that he was he was probably getting close to that multi-year contract that sort of sets him up for life with the chiefs and the injury happened. the chiefs moved on uh, swiftly and Cairo was forced to rehab, try to get better, bounce around the league a little bit and he performed really well last year. So what's he going to seek? You know, I would think you're going to look at the Cody Parkey contract from a couple years ago, which was 15 million over four years with nine million guaranteed, and you're going to increase it because the Cody Parkey contract was three years ago. That's a little bit out of date. So I'd have to guess Santos is looking for four million a year, maybe a little bit more than that with a guarantee. In about the same ballpark, that seems to be where the uh, contract guarantees for kickers sort of land. Two recent examples, Graham Gonneau with the Giants uh, right in that ballpark, $9 million guarantee in Jason Sanders uh, with a new contract last week from the Miami Dolphins.
7: I mean, look, you can manipulate this contract and you can figure out a way to make it cap friendly and and hopefully uh, get something organized so that it doesn't uh, bite you this year. But you're kicking that problem uh, down the road a little bit where you hope the cap goes back up. But, Brad, you mentioned the name, Cody Parkey. You know, they've got a kicker. They've ended that problem. It took them a while. How do you not bring this guy back? It's insane to think otherwise. Well, I
2: I, I look at it and and we're what twenty two days out or so from from free agency right now. There's an element right now of the Bears are playing chicken with with Cairo Santos, and I and I don't understand why. Because let's say he gets the vibe that a couple other teams are interested in him, and he really likes the idea of going to one of them. Why negotiate with the bears then, you know, you've earned the right to become a free agent, at least, at least test the market. You know, we don't know. Maybe Cairo says, yeah, I want to see what's out there. And then boy, at that point, you've either got to come with the strongest offer or or have something else that entices him uh, to stay. And, um, that that's why you don't see a ton of contract extensions done uh, in late February, early March, because guys are just giving away the opportunity to negotiate with 31 other teams at that point. So I think there is some danger here for the bears and not having uh, found a way to get this done. Maybe, maybe the player uh, wants to head to the uh, open market and, who would blame them? I mean, I think everybody out there would chap their services to the highest bidder if given the opportunity.
9: Brad, back to the news of the day. Today is the first day NFL teams can apply the franchise tag, and Allen Robinson, I think, has done a pretty shrewd job of building a public support system for his plight. and i and I think that people identify with where he's coming from and they almost feel bad for him that he's going to only make potentially $18 million next year. What do you think his response will be if we see any response at all, if the bears make that official today?
2: Yeah, the bears have got a 15 day window. And so we've seen this team before they kind of, they've kind of dragged their feet before they, um, have, have reached decisions like this or announced them publicly. I mean, remember last spring the you know when Ryan Pace told us they were continuing to evaluate what they were going to do with the fifth-year option with Mitch Trubisky? Come on, give us a break. Um, that was pretty clear where that one was going. And to me, it's pretty clear that they've got to use the franchise tag here on Allen. And I think instead of waiting until the deadline, why not – be proactive, which a lot of times they're not, but but just get it, get it out right away. Hey, we're going to use the franchise tag. We're hoping to uh, have an open line of communications and discussion with you. We value you as a member of the Bears, and we want to talk about having you here for more than one season. What's Allen's reaction going to be? Well, I'm sure there's no way he signs – a one-year tender anytime uh, real soon, but um, it, it, it's a uh, it's a collectively bargained tool that the Bears have, and they'd be foolish not to use it. Allen Robinson is not the uh, first guy to come along that has taken great exception to the possibility of being tagged by his team. He's not going to be, uh, the the last one either and i- re- i just i really don't see the bears having any other choice here and um I don't think it, you need to overthink it it's it's a pretty simple decision you put the tag on them and you uh and you go from there
7: is there any benefit from not doing it right away i mean I, I I get it dragging your heels, but why not just tag the guy you know you're gonna try to get something for him if you can't sign him you know you can take the tag off him you know it doesn't damage your salary cap what What's the value of waiting?
2: I well, I mean, the the value in waiting for them is they're able to uh, they're able to sneak up on the rest of the league with with all their moves, right? That seems to be <laughs> kind of how kind of how they've operated, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I I think you, I think you got to just be, you know, point blank with this, be be real clear with with Alan and his representation, this is what our plan is. And maybe months down the road here, they could um, find some common ground for a long-term contract. That seems sort of unlikely to me based on the fact that they were uh, never close uh, to getting a a deal done uh, before last season. But you'd like to think uh, they could accomplish something here. He's very valuable to them on the field. He's valuable to them in the locker room. And he's been uh, one of their best uh, citizens in the community uh, as well since from day one when he arrived uh, three years
4: ago.
7: All right, Bigsy, thank you, buddy. Great catching up.
4: Good stuff, Brad.
7: Have a great day, guys
4: that wraps up score rewind and uh, that does it for me this evening on sports radio 670 the score appreciate all the guests for dropping by this evening Brad Spielberger from pro football focus Steve Bittenbender explaining what's happening with Arlington Park it looks like one more year of racing and Cody Westerland and Zach Levine becoming an all-star 670 the score.com uh, you want to check out any of those interviews or some of the conversation earlier throughout the evening you can use a rewind feature on the radio.com app or the entire show will be posted via podcast on 670thescore.com. My name is Joe Ostrowski on Twitter at Joe0670. Tomorrow morning you can catch me on BetQL daily on the radio.com app live 9 a.m. to noon or just subscribe to the podcast or I'll be here uh, for a shortened version of the Joe O Show 6 to 645. Don't go anywhere. Keep it right here on Sports Radio 670. The score, Grobber, will be here at midnight. Uh, we'll talk tomorrow at 6. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone.
0: Stream minor league affiliates.
1: The Midwest League home run leader. And